If you love Sports Bazaar and you love Mick and myself and who doesn't, why wouldn't you want to sign up to Bazaar Plus, our membership program, for even more episodes? Just go to the link in the show notes to sign up. It's Sports Bazaar. Welcome aboard, everyone. Anyone isn't happy, we call it all off immediately. The hunt for the weirdest. There you go. Can you put out a fact sheet with this? <laughs> Slide my mind. I don't. I can't keep up. Strangest. Catastrophic, amazing, bizarre. Multiple layers of stupidity coming together. What could go wrong? Most unbelievable. It's like a Coen Brothers movie. Stories to ever occur. And they're only going to get weirder from here. Get comfy, everyone. Some good, some bad. And some just bizarre, which we love. In the world of sport. How many chimneys could you do in a day? I've researched the tool. To France, not Sports Bizarre. Right, police are called in. <laughs> For the players. Dennis Rodman is telling you to calm down. Testicle soup. Can I just stop you for a second? Don't act like you've never done this. I feel like once again we've strayed away from what I've researched. It's time for the leaders of the hunt. An old couple who've got our spark back. <laughs> it's Titus O'Reilly and Mick Malloy. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Sports Bazaar with me, Mick Malloy, and of course Titus O'Reilly, who always brings something of value and note to the table. What have you got this week for us? Well, this is a bit of a different one, this episode, because today we're not looking at one story. Right. We're looking at the strangest clauses ever put in a sporting contract. The strangest clauses ever put in a sporting contract. And we're going to any particular sport, any sport here across the it board. It is amazing what people will request in a sporting contract or what people will put into it. So I imagine this would be like the equivalent of musicians who have a rider. Yes. And so they go, I'll play at the tennis centre, but I want... Uh, All no green M&M's. M&Ms. Yeah, 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 that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. It was someone like Led Zeppelin or one of those bands and they said later that their manager had come up with that not because they didn't like those M&M's, but they knew if that was done properly, properly, it meant everything else was probably done properly. So it was just a test. Because they're sticklers for the details. Yeah. They- What's your <laughs> rider, though? My rider? Yeah. Well, it varies. Usually, <laughs> it usually involves a bail bondsman at some stage. <laughs> um, so is there a particular sport that's more prominent in this? Or the American it- ones are great. And it's, soccer and baseball are both great because – also, they don't have salary caps, so they can almost spend what they want. Right. And so then often they just ask for ludicrous things as well. <laughs> so they kind of a giraffe. I want a giraffe. Yeah, I want. I want, I want to add. Yeah, live animals. When I well, there's some <laughs> live animals in this. So here we go. So let's start off with what I call a category, which is relates to nightclubs and drinking. Okay, something if podcasts had contracts. Yes, we would have these. No, oh, we'd be making it rain. <laughs> I believe is the. Phrase or expression you're looking for. So there was one, Dallas Cowboys had a wide receiver called Des Bryant. This is pretty typical, this one. This is an example. He had one because he had a whole bunch of problems. So he had in his that he had a no alcohol, no strip club policy. Your contract will be void if you go to a strip club (laughs) or drink alcohol. Jesus, that's... Very Cromwellian. That's very tough. It is very tough. I mean, he had a few things included. He was once Birthday, special occasion? No, he was not allowed to go at all. Bucks nights? No. No. They just didn't trust him, so they put that in. It was allowed, it was in for years that he wasn't allowed to go to strip clubs or drink alcohol. One of my favourite stories was a woman who gave birth in the car park of a strip club. And I remember thinking at the time, it's really struggling to get men to go to attend (laughs) the birth. 
if you had to do that. Of doing in the car. Mate. <laughs> it's the only way she'd get her husband to fight around. It was a girl. Uh, oh, this is my daughter, Bethany. <laughs> well, you can call her charisma. <laughs> Right. Now, Ronaldinho, now this is giving me an, the okay. other side, famous, right to the top. one of the greats of soccer player of all time. So he left AC Milan in 2011. Now, he was 41 years old and he joined a club in Rio, went back to Brazil. Yes. Now, this will give you a sense at 41 how serious he was taking this part of his career. Yeah. He had a stipulation in his contract inserted at his insistence that he was allowed to hit the town twice a week and go to nightclubs without any repercussions or fines. <laughs> so oh, he's like, no man. matter what, I That's get to go to power. two nights, I get to go to, out to nightclubs and bars, and you cannot do Can anything about it. Can you do it back it. to back? Yeah. Is he, no, he, is he allowed to go to a bender as such? Yeah, That's, he's that allowed to do it. clubs back to back as long as it's only two nights. I love it. It's only two nights a week. So if he gets up to a third, he's in trouble. <laughs> it's like... But he had it actually in the contract. Well, good on him. Well, he knew what he wanted. He his, what he was have going you got his do. lawyer's number? Got his agent's number? <laughs> what my representation I could use? <laughs> One of my favourites is a guy, his name Ray Caldwell. This is like in the 1919. So this is going back a Which fair sport? bit in baseball. baseball. He'd been bouncing around the major leagues for ages. Now, he's a very talented pitcher. The problem that he had and the reason he kept moving from team to team is he had a reputation for being a very heavy drinker and a night owl. Okay. In the newspaper columns at the time, they would refer to this as irregular habits or outbreaks of misbehaviour. Yeah. That, that was the word used for being, <laughs> you're a terrible drunk, basically. Yeah. Okay. So he'd been fined, suspended, released all the time. So the Cleveland uh, then Indians come along and say, we'll take you on because he was a good pitcher. And so they put this deal together. He went and met with the manager. Tris Speaker was the manager's name. Yeah. He looks at the contract and he says, you left out a word, Tris, where it says I've got to get drunk after every game. The word not has been left out. It should read I'm not to get drunk right. after every game. And the manager, Tris Speaker, says, no, it says you are to get drunk after every game. Fantastic. Speaker said that what he wanted to do is incorporate his drinking into a regime that revolved around the baseball. So it's part of the whole package deal. Yeah, you I know get, you're going to you get, get drunk anyway. And you get yeah. my loose behaviour at pre game. I want to schedule your loose behaviour. That's what the manager came up with. So what would happen is he was to do it every week and in the contract at CPI he had to. On game days he'd pitch like normal. Then straight <laughs> afterwards he would perform his mandated drinking duties. Wow. So straight after the game he'd go out and get absolutely poleaxed. Uh, he's then free to skip coming into work the next day. Jesus. You got the day off to recover from being hungover. Then the next day we'd come in and train and then he would pitch. And out he goes again. And then he would act. So it was like a four-day cycle. So if he didn't go out and get he was in breach. he was in breach of contract. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you've Isn't got to go. Isn't that amazing? We've emptied your locker. Why? <laughs> you went home early. Another night. Isn't that the best contract you've ever heard? And actually, it makes so much sense. Like, if you know a player is going to be sneaking around, do you? You're better to go. Yeah, and it worked. He rounded up pitching and had had five wins, one loss that season was really good for them. So it was a win-win. It won. It worked. But the most amazing thing about it, he's known for two things, Ray Caldwell. The first one is that contract. The first contract that we know of that encourages people to actively drink. (laughs) That mandates Uh, you have to get drunk. On August 24th, 1919, it's his first day as a Cleveland Indian. He's just signed this deal. Yeah. 
ready to go out drinking that night. He'd be night. nervous his first day. First day, he's puts on the uniform. Making it. Yeah, the weather's brutally hot, but it's that humid, cloudy, brutally yeah. hot you get in the south. Suddenly, just as he gets set to pitch, he's only got a couple of pitches left to finish the game. He's pitched really well. Suddenly there's a flash from the sky of lightning and all the players feel this surge of electricity on the ground. So the field's been hit by lightning. Wow. Um, the shortstop, Ray Chapman, says he could just feel that go to, the electricity go down his leg and it said it caused all the players to dive to the ground and like they're all like a bit, you know, they Fused, could feel shocked, it. Frightened. Shocked and they could feel it, right? They could all feel it, knocked them over. The Cleveland catcher, Steve O'Neill, says, I took off my mask and threw it as far as I could because it was metal. He said, I didn't want it to attract any bolts to me. So he Absolutely. threw that. Out. get it. They're all looking around. Everyone's sort of lying on the ground. They get up and the eight Indians in the position plays are okay, but Caldwell's lying on the mound, out cold, spread. What? His chest is smoldering. The lightning what? bolts struck him directly in the chest. Unbelievable. Players rush to see if he's okay. The first person that touches him leaps in the air saying he'd been zapped. The electricity, so no one wants to touch him, and they're all just standing there going, so like poking him with a stick. Well, they were, they were, yeah, they were just. Well, the first guy that touched him said, so they're all thinking he must be dead because right. there's literally smoke coming He's off. He's smoldering. He's smoldering, and so they're all ready to pronounce him dead. And then suddenly he starts groaning and he crawls back to his knees and then onto his feet, and they're all like, "Oh, thank God!" But they're all still not touching him. <laughs> they don't want to touch him at all. They offer to like walk him off the field and say, "We're going to take you to hospital." And he goes, I've got one more out to get for this game to end. That's the spirit. <laughs> You're not been, taking me off. You've been struck by lightning. been struck by lightning. And so he was insistent that the manager comes out, speaker, and argues with him. But he says, no, no, let me do it. So they all go back in their places. But he says to this um, shortstop, give me the ball and could you just turn me and point me in the general direction <laughs> of the plate? <laughs> so he pitches it and wins. Unbelievable. So that's the Ray Caldwell clause that be told you have to drink. You have to drink. Which is great. Now, Did he ever drink after he picked yeah, up Yeah, that was the lightning. thing. So that night he'd been struck by lightning and he was still mandated to go out and get smashed. Hair's all fizzy. <laughs> he didn't even get the day off. He's got like charcoal on his face. <laughs> so the next bunch of clauses I would call partners and friends. So this is... Clauses that people put snuck in that relate to their partner more or their friends okay. more than them. On behalf of the client or the company. So it's saying usually a request that the team has to does do something for their partner. Right. So there was a guy who went and played in um, for a Frankfurt soccer team in Germany and he came from the Congo. His name was Rolf Crystal Guillermien and he had a straightforward request. He said, if he signed with you, I want my wife to be sent to cooking classes. Which sort of was now, his view of how good he, his wife that, could cook. Is that for her benefit or his <laughs> he, he benefit? He said it would make him happier if she was sent to cooking classes. Of her own free will? I don't know. Oh, I think it's, it's, they were like, do it. He said it would make my time in Germany much happier <laughs> if you would just teach her to cook. He wants to come home. He wants an apple pie yeah. on the shelf. On the windowsill. Yeah, he Burn wants it ready. Tiffany, you just had your partner, I'm going to get you cooking classes. That's a very aggressive. I hope you know what you're doing. <laughs> that could blow up your face. Guess what I've done, honey? I've negotiated cooking classes for you. <laughs> so that was one that got oh, in. Honey. Roger Clemens, a famous baseballer pitcher um, who went to the Toronto Blue Jays in the, towards the end of his career, he wanted his sons to be able to practice in the Tokyo Sky Dome whenever they wanted. And he also organised his contract that they had lockers next to him 
in the clubhouse. But they're not on the team. No. <laughs> These kids had their own lockers. What do you mean practice in the Sky Dome? Like, like hey, they could the just kids use it. Open up the Sky Dome, the kids are coming Yeah, he down. could just go use it whenever he wanted. Like like it's the local bounce or something. Yeah, like. that was it. They could just go and use it. His son ended up playing for the Houston, got drafted by the Houston Astros because it obviously paid off. Because right. the Toronto Sky Dome used to have a hotel in it and there was like a shortstop called Roberto Alamo who lived in the hotel and it looks out onto the field. So he'd lie in his bed and when he saw training was about to start, he'd quickly run out onto the field. Come down in a row. Yeah, just, just run out. <laughs> now, Neymar, the famous Barcelona footballer, when he went from Santos FC to Barcelona, which is a whole other podcast about accusations of tax fraud and dodgy things with the contract. For sure. But the one that was the most interesting is he had a clause in it that Barcelona had to fly his friends from Brazil to Spain every two months so they could hang out with him and feed them the whole time they were there. That was the specific. Maybe you get the play his wife went to cooking classes <laughs> to feed them. Right, so they just charter a plane and your friends would come out. And they'd meet all their meals was part of the meals. agreement. Yeah, so they had to feed them the whole time. Every two months someone was like, do you want to come over? Are my agents listening to this? <laughs> a lot of good ideas here. There was another one where another guy uh, who played in, for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Troy Glass, he had a $45 million contract, but part of that, his wife was a keen equestrian rider. So he had a clause in that that they had to give her $250,000 a year to basically pay for her training and her equipment. <laughs> so that was a total, let's keep That's my wife happy. Not, no, That's so he's just gone. a lot of preening. Yeah, it was like. Both horse and rider. Yeah. So yeah, upkeep and training. So he's just gone to keep my wife happy. They didn't have to provide a horse. You think he's getting a $45 million contract. You think he could have just paid it out of that, but no, nah, he insisted the clause was in there that they would have to do it. There's a lot of that where it's just, couldn't you have just bought it out of your ridiculously large salary? <laughs> AJ Burnett, who's a pitcher who went from the Yankees and the Red Sox, but he ended up going to the Toronto Blue Jays. He was like, well, okay, I'll go there, but... His family was in Maryland or from there originally, but they hated flying. So he organized for part of his contract eight round trip limo rides from Maryland to Toronto for his kids every year because his wife hated flying and would prefer to take a nine hour limo ride rather than a two hour flight. <laughs> Fantastic. A limo for the kids. The next ones are very specific clauses that you kind of can't put into a category. Right. So Manny Ramirez, who was a baseball player, went to Japan. He was a famous at Boston and the Dodgers and one of the greats. He decided to finish his career in Japan. He decided to put in two clauses. The first was that he basically didn't have to ever practice. And as one of the like great hitters of all time, they went fine. Unbelievable. Yep. The next bit up you're like, unlimited free sushi. <laughs> Whenever he All wants. you can eat. <laughs> Free sushi. All the time, wherever, whenever he was, they had to provide him with free sushi, <laughs> which in Japan you can probably do. And did they sign off on that? Yeah, that was in his contract. Did he give it to his friends and stuff? I think he could was do, it, it, was, like... it was unlimited, unlimited sushi for him whenever he wanted it. I've heard about this fabled pass you can get from Kentucky Fried Chicken. Right. That is like free chicken for life. 
It's like a black Amex or something yeah, yeah, for yeah. KFC. Yeah. That would be enshrined in any con. If I had that power, that's where I would Is it real? Just stick your sushi up your ass. Is it real I, or is it like? I believe it exists. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like the, it's like an Illuminati style thing. People say they've seen it. People say they had it. Someone apparently had it and then it was taken off them, which I would have thought is a big rag like, on that's free. Like, that's like losing a child. <laughs> Trying to figure out what he wanted to have done. that and take it. Yeah. Uh, too many moist towelettes. I don't know. Whatever it is, but that's worth sushi. Okay, absolute power to me. If I was the emperor of how whatever, much though do you reckon that would shorten your life? I don't care. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe that's what they're banking on. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they're banking on. Yeah, yeah. It's free chicken for life. Knowing that that life. <laughs> Is now yeah, the, the hospital bills alone? Gonna, what would you would do? What do you yeah, food would be unlimited food, but you get sick of sushi, wouldn't you? Yes, but like, see KFC, you've got see uh, chicken, all these burgers, potato, <laughs> running through the menu. You just see me in a big tub of potato and gravy. <laughs> Boy, get out of the tub. What I'd love is I'd never see you again where you you don't have a drumstick in your That's hand. Right. You're just always gnawing on a drumstick and, the, and like a bucket under both arms whenever I turn up. Hi guys, would you like would you like a breakfast zinger burger? <laughs> I'd start dressing like the Colonel. Sunderland signed a guy called Stefan Schwartz in 1999, and they put in a specific clause for him that he was not allowed to go to space. Why? <laughs> because he's expressed he that he, said he, was going to go he to wanted space. to go on the Virgin Galactic space flight, which back then had even, wasn't even near launching. And so they specifically said, you are not, not allowed to, to do interstellar travel. <laughs> but what about the off-season? <laughs> yeah, so he, was, so he was banned from that. Rick Meyer, who played for the Seattle Seahawks in the NFL, and in his rookie year, he turned out to be a dud, but he signed a huge rookie contract. Right. His agent had put in it a clause that said that he would get paid under all conditions up to and including the end of the world. <laughs> so even if the world ends, oh, he still I'm gets still paid. paid. He still gets paid. He's that managing the world's about on to it. Hey, tell someone who cares. So his teammates just bagged him the whole time about it because they're like, what do you think is going to happen? How did they find out about it? It was well known. It was, it was well like, yeah, you put He's something like that. And over there, a lot of the contracts and various things get public pretty quick. One of the things I like at the turn of not this century, century before, so sort of like 1900, when they baseball teams toured, the players would bunk together in a room sharing a double bed. Right. Which led to this one guy from the Philadelphia Athletics, uh, Ossie Skergosk. He made an unusual request before signing his new contract. He insisted that the pitcher... Rube Waddell, who's another guy we have to cover at some point, a crazy pitcher, <laughs> he insisted there was a clause that Rube would not eat animal crackers, <laughs> which is sort of like, while you know, biscuits while he was in bed with him because the crumbs <laughs> were driving him nuts. He said, so these are animal crackers, you know, crackers oh, shaped no, as animals. Yeah. He said, I didn't mind the flat crackers so much, but for a whole week last year I woke up with elephant tusks and cow horns <laughs> sticking between my ribs. Well, I'm on his side. Yeah. And while we're at it, no spooning. <laughs> I want a no spooning clause. Yeah. I want, I want, and of course, the Dutch oven treaty of, uh, of 1908. 1908. 
Is that true, by the way? I did yeah. not know that. So that was standard practice, top and tail in a double bed. Yeah, they would just, I don't know. You know, go there and, you know. Bunks, were, do they ever consider bunks? No, because it was just, they were staying in hotels. So, you know, it was just less rooms, you know, rather than them all have their own room. They all just shared a bed. <laughs> if we ever go on tour. I bet you right. There's a massive cost. Night, Titus. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'll, do? I'll ladle you. That's my term for spooning. It's bigger. <laughs> It's kind of more prison-like. <laughs> it's right. harder to get out of. Yeah. Um, so the thing about it is after he got this contract signed, Rube found out about it. And so he came in to talk to him about it and stood over the bed and ate a sandwich knowing that all the crumbs. <laughs> that's aggressive. That's a great. Is that tear up the contract time? Because. <laughs> well, technically it wasn't animal crackers. The sandwich loophole. You've got to be not too specific in these claims or you're yeah. going to get in trouble. Michael Jordan, we all know, he actually was one of the first players ever that most players were banned from playing basketball outside of practice and games. Yes. And he actually fought to have a for the love of the game clause that said, I can play whenever I want, wherever I want, play pickup yeah. games, play for my cousin's basketball side, you can't stop me playing, which is now a big one. Play one of the rare ones. characters. Like <laughs> yeah, space yeah if I have to go. I wish I had a bar that. <laughs> there was a racism clause in one that a player had put in his clause that if he got any racist hostility, he could leave this team. The thing that no one understood, it was a German keeper by the name of George Koch who went and played in Holland right. and insisted on this. He's a white guy. Everyone's going... What race? What racism? <laughs> is this in 1997? Yeah. What racism are you actually copying? That's the it. only racism clause we're aware of in the least likely of all circumstances. <laughs> now, this one is great. This is about always read your contract right through to the footnotes. Okay. Cardiff City, which is obviously in Wales, in, in 2011, there was a guy by the name of Spencer Pryor who decided to sign a deal with Cardiff City. So they did all the contract and he signed it and it was all normal. But the team owner, Sam Hammond, who always makes weird contracts, in the contract he put some footnotes that Pryor never really noticed. Right. The first was that he had to eat fried sheep testicles with lemon and salt, sheep brains with parsley <laughs> and sheep liver with sheep blood. So he said, you have to do that. He also put in one that because... <laughs> Is he joining a, a, a sporting body or a frat house? Is there some kind of said, hazing? And this is a joke about it being whales and, you know, they all call right. them sheep lovers, so he's playing up to that. Right. So there was also... That was actually considered the milder of the two clauses. <laughs> the other clause was that the player had to have a physical liaison with a sheep as well. Mm. <laughs> and he put it in and the guy finds it. After he, After signed, he signed, never enforced. Right. You'd be glad to know. It was always a joke. But they did actually get him to eat sheep testicles at one point as an initiation. He's that taken was, the softer option. That, he's <laughs> taken, I understand, his feelings and his thinking. I'm not sure which one of them I'd prefer. Wow. Neither is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> apparently at Cardiff City, this was a bit of a tradition to get them to eat sheep's testicles. And the manager, Alan Cork, said, there are two types of balls at this club, footballs and sheep balls. Okay, I'm striking Cardiff my list of <laughs> Don't clubs get a to Cardiff. get involved with uh, Steve Novak at the New York Knicks, he got put in his contract. They banned him from owning a dog because he was allergic to dogs. He was allergic to dogs. And they didn't want him to 
miss any game time because he'd bought a dog and was suffering from the allergies. That is incredible. Isn't that weird that they... And did he stand by this Yeah, course? he stand by it and he didn't do it. He didn't get one. Mm-hmm. Bern uh, Strange took a job as Iraq's national football coach. I'll tell you the year and think about this time. Yes. 2002. So yeah. we've just come off the September 11. September 11, yes. Not a great time to sign on as Iraq's coach. <laughs> he gets a clause put in that he didn't have to answer any political questions in interviews and if war broke out, he could leave. Okay. <laughs> Which is a fair one. He's the first person to go. It's the opposite of the end of the world contract. That's the opposite. It's like, and of course, within months, war does break out and he just goes, I'm out, I'm gone. Wait a check, please. I'm gone. Luis Arez, when he went to Barcelona, they insisted, obviously being at Liverpool, they insisted yes. on a no-biting clause. Of course, because... Because he'd his, bitten several people. He had bitten them and his teeth were weapons. Do you yeah. Know, I think it was, was it Liverpool fans who used to sing Luis Arez, your teeth are offside, <laughs> your teeth are offside, your teeth are offside. Given the state of his, there was a famous bet that they put on before one of the World Cups that he was playing in, that they paid some ridiculous odds like three hundred and fifty to one. Yes, if he bit someone, and about fifty people took the bet, and he did, and then lo and behold, he did, and they all made a fortune <laughs> off it because the odds were so long. So it makes sense they they put it in here. And there was this footy journalist, I can't remember what it was, but he wrote this article where he did the odds of how many games. Cerez had played, yes. how many opponents he'd faced in all those games yes. and then how many he'd bit and worked out the percentage of if you play against Louis Cerez, what's the like odds the of you being bit and worked out it's higher than someone being bit by a shark. <laughs> You've got more chance of being bit I by a shark. I was fully expecting him to take the field one day with one of those buckets on his head. <laughs> <laughs> the cones Stop like it. the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The other thing you can get is non-financial gifts. So this is very specific. So in college football, the University of Texas Longhorns coach, Mac Brown, he got an extra $60,000 a year post, like a job, as the school's chairman of the golf club. Right. So they just gave him a second job with a salary. Okay. And then he also demanded a 750 gift card to an Austin gun shop. <laughs> so just tax that into that. Now, this one's clever, and this is where you've got to be really pay a lot of attention and why you need a good lawyer. In 2002, there was a guy called Giuseppe Rina. He signed a deal with Armenia Bliefeld, which is a German side, and he insisted that they would build him a new house each and every season. Do you get to keep the previous one? Yeah. So that, he, well, to, he, he gives that back this is a problem. a new one. They would build and give him a house every year. The problem was it didn't stipulate the size or the material. So for all three years, the team built him a house each year out of Lego. <laughs> like a doll's house. Yeah. A doll's house. They literally did that. It just drove him mad. And they just didn't care. They're like, you just said, give you a house. You didn't say it was a, like a real house, how big <laughs> it was, what it was. So he got a Lego house for three years. There was a guy in 1986, a reliever who uh, had pitched really well. His name was Charlie Kerfield. Number 37 was his number on his bat. Yes. So he asked for a salary that was $110 million and $37.37 just because it was Match's thing. Sure. Then he asked for 37 boxes of orange jello in the deal. <laughs> 
Did he have to stipulate what it was for <laughs> no. or nothing? It didn't go. Imagine that. if that was a deal breaker. Well, we'll give you 110 mil, but no. <laughs> that's a no on the orange jello. Well, I cannot in good conscience not- sign here, sir. <laughs> so that was his one. It didn't go well, the contract. He was famously caught eating ribs in the dugout during the season. <laughs> so he did. Why did they catch him? He's sitting there eating ribs. There was another guy called Roy Oswald. He was pitching in the 2005 National League Championship Series for Houston. And to give him a bit of a motivation, the owner said to him, if you win today, I'll give you a bulldozer, which had been his dream since a kid to own a bulldozer. This bulldozer costs like $200,000. It's, right. a, it's a Caterpillar D6N XL. Um, <laughs> what? And he was super excited. He goes, really? You'll give me a bull? You'll buy me that bulldozer if yeah. we win? He's like, oh, 100% if you win this game, buy your bulldozer. Chuck you the keys to your own bulldozer. bulldozer. So, of course, he pitches and wins, and they have to put a clause in because baseball requires that any high-level gifts have to be included yes. in the thing. So they create a bulldozer clause. And then there's a picture of him which we'll put up of him being presented with is, is a bulldozer it, and he's like that. He looks like a kid being given a Tonka toy. Is it got like a big bow on it? Like, yeah, you know, it's got the, give they their put teenage the, girls like a car. And it's go, got the logo of the team and everything on it. It's like a full presentation. And uh, is, did he jump behind the wheel? Or? Yeah, he was like thrilled. He's got a bulldozer. I don't think he needs a bulldozer. It's huge too. It's not like a, t- it's a big bulldozer. What do you do with a bulldozer? Drive it around. Go to the drive-in. <laughs> Go to the bottle-o. Go to the bottle-o. Go drive-through bottle-o. Fill up the front. Imagine just pulling up out the front of a hotel and just chucking the concierge (laughs) the keys. When I say pulling up, really slowly. (laughs) So I love it. What was his fascination with a bulldozer? He just loved bulldozers ever since he was a kid. He said it was his life dream when he known a bulldozer. (laughs) And so he finally got one. He got dating in it. But I love the owner knew this and goes, hey, yeah, imagine having the school run in a bulldozer. Be handy when those parents park and block you off. <laughs> Just <laughs> fun at school. Oh, yeah, that's the time you want one. There was another guy called Runed Odo. He was a, a major leaguer and he insisted on getting horses for his horse farm as part of it. So he's got two horses about it. So they had to provide horses? Yeah, because he had a, he'd bought a ranch in North Texas and he said, I want you to get me some horses, some new horses. As part of, so turn, they had a horse contract. So you could turn up and it's just guys in Panama <laughs> horse costumes. You can hang on a second. It steals fishy. <laughs> they were made of Lego. It was That's just the right. total. Bill Walton, a famous basketballer, played for Colon, but there was one year where he went to the San Diego Clippers, and this is 7980. Bruce Springsteen was playing at the arena they played at later in the year. So he said, I'll sign with you if you can get me tickets because they were all sold out all seven shows in a row. He said, right. if you can get me tickets for every night, I'll sign with you. Wow. And they said, okay. But he wasn't asking for tickets for free. He just goes, I'm willing to pay for them. You just have to get me have access to, get them. to them. So they go, reasonable. Yeah, so they're like, yeah, okay, we can get you that. So that was his one. Bruce Springsteen great. every night. Every night. I would have the Kasha Goo Goo Claws. <laughs> <laughs> boingo, boingo. I would need I want all the, the tickets to- And they're like, you can have, it's not a ticket is sold. <laughs> you <laughs> can have all of them. Guys, I want to attend back-to-back 
Men Without Hats concerts. <laughs> no, wet, wet, wet. Thompson Twins. That's my final offer. I want tickets to Thompson Twins or Haircut 100. What would be the band? You'd have to, the Thompson Twins would be right up uh, there. Men Without Hats, I thought, were pretty cool. <laughs> Flock of Seagulls. <laughs> a Flock of Seagulls. Do you know what? I once uh, got beaten up wearing one of those big, you know, uh, woolly, I'm a rover jumpers yeah, yeah. with braces on the outside in honor. How oh, long no, it was Haircut 100. That's who it was, not Flock of Seagulls. Oh, and you always got beat up. Oh, of course, naturally. How'd you get away? Oh, well, I had to drop the suspenders, <laughs> use them as a kind of, <laughs> like I ran for my life. It wasn't the first time. I once got beaten up uh, riding my bike with Gene Simmons' makeup on from Kiss. Oh, really? They caught me and beat me up. And it was a valuable lesson. So where what... did they beat you up because of supportive bands or did they just tend to beat you no, up? they just went. They, they didn't need a reason. Riding his bike, wearing Gene Simmons' makeup. <laughs> We've got to teach him a lesson. We won't stand for this. They were Paul Stanley fans. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I digress. These right. ones are my f- ones where big financial incentives that go wrong but work out insanely well. So... So there's a guy called Bobby Benilla. He went to the Mets, had a disastrous run there in sort of 1992, goes away, comes back, and they want him back in 1999. So they sign him on this big deal. It's not working out and they want to get rid of him. Right. So the problem is he's still owed $5.9 million in guaranteed salary that they have to pay. But they don't have that money and they can't afford it. So they're trying to figure out how to pay. Well, they do. They figure out this deal with his agent that he will defer his salary but with an 8% interest rate resulting that he will get on the 1st of July from 2011 to 2035, so we're still in the middle of this. My brain's hurting. About $1.2 million every July. Now, you'd look at that and say, gee, it's pretty weird to just have someone that you can pay out for $5.9 million and effectively be giving them $30 million because you can't pay it for immediately, the, the 8% interest and right. paying them over that long. It ends up being $30 million, but over that long time. Yeah. The owners, the Wilpons, who Mets fans hate and they're gone now, they said, well, you, what you don't understand about that, we can't afford it now, but we'll take that five point nine, and we will invest it with a guy who manages all our finances, who always returns a lot of money, a guy by the name of Bernie Madoff, who you may have heard of. <laughs> Bernie's got it. So He's we're fine. Bernie can turn that 5.9. Oh, this man. guy always delivers a big return. Of course, it turns out Bernie Madoff is Bernie Madoff yeah. of Ponzi scheme. So the money all, you know, they don't have it, but they've still got this contract. So to this day, the Mets as an organisation... They call it Bobby Vanilla Day, the 1st of July. Baseball fans celebrate it. He just keeps getting paid this million, 1.2 million every year on the 1st of July, no matter what, because they did this. And everyone comes together and goes, this is great. He goes, none. He hasn't played in the majors since 2001. Yep. He'll be 73 years old when the payments finish. <laughs> so this has got to go to 2035. I love it. Is that amazing? Do you reckon that? They just dig a hole and they can't. They never know when to cough it up. Or at what point do you, in a pyramid or a Ponzi scheme, yeah, here you go, okay, it's about to blow. What, yeah, what, yeah. What like happens the, in your head where you go, oh, okay, I, I need to start telling some people? I think it gets to a point where they can't because it's like, and he seems so good at keeping it going. 
I mean, the amazing thing is how long he got away from it. He was like a respected financial advisor sitting on boards and... Unbelievable. So you know, it's up there with those stories you hear like about people who win Tats Lotto, but they haven't, but they tell everyone they've won Tats Lotto and you go, it's a doomed yeah. lie. Eventually someone's going to go, where's that car you said you were going to Oh, yeah. There's somebody, uh, it's like I told you I've got a girlfriend. Eventually you will go, where is she? Come I, on. I can't keep doing the... Oh, she's just calling. She's just told me she's got to go to her folks' house. Faking cancer. I mean, eventually. <laughs> I did that once. It's a doom. Like eventually, when you don't die, someone's going to. That go, is a big giveaway. The not that's dying. The not dying bit is like, gee, you look good. <laughs> when you, you? If you're like me, you pick, gee, you keep putting on weight. <laughs> It's a weird cancer. Uh, but just I'd love to be the moment Bernie <laughs> Madoff goes, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, he, paid, he just here. he got to the point where he went, that's it. Mm. He got me. But the Mets were Hey, investing. it was a good ride and no one got hurt. Hey, we had some fun. Had fun. <laughs> Lighten up, everyone. All right, sorry. Yeah. So don't you love that? If he's going to get till 2035, he's getting $1.2 million. Oh, that, that's extraordinary. He's loving it. Where is he? You're like on a boat in the Bahamas oh, just I having like those boat drinks? Or... I, I haven't heard where he even is because I imagine he's just having an absolute ball. And he's 73. And the Mets fans hate it because it's a reminder every year. Well, he gets paid till he's 73. He's not 73 yet. So that's in 2035. That will be his final payment and he'll be 73 when he payment. gets Then it. what's he going to do? Because well, he had 5.9. They should they do another contract with him, an extra year. You should go back and go, hey, guys, you want to extend this yeah, a little? The thing is, too, is he was a bust at the Mets. So it's not like this was like yeah. a beloved hero that they go, oh, well, you know, he, he did us right. The Mets fans just go nuts about it every time. Now, this is a clever one that's very similar. So the United States Football League was sort of this challenger in the early 80s to the NFL. So they were launched right. by a few business people and they went, we're going to launch this uh, competitive thing and we need to attract the top talent from college to come play here to kind of right. try and compete. And one of the guys they got for a team they had called the Los Angeles Express in 1984, they managed to get a guy out of BYU University, which is in Utah. They got a guy called Steve Young who went on to win uh, with the 49ers a Super Bowl. So, but they managed to get him to not go to the NFL and get him first to go to the United States Football League, this competitor league. The way they did it is they didn't have enough money at the time, but they knew to get him they had to like offer something ridiculous. So they offered him 10-year contract, $40 million. This is for a college kid who yeah. never played. But they didn't have the money, so they promised to pay the rest of the deal, um, which was over $35 million of it, in the form of um, an annual payment, much like the other one. And that would start in 1990. And he would continue to get paid until 2027. Yeah. It was back-ended, so it started off as less, but by the end it's going to be $3.2 million a year. Right, and it's still going. So 43 years the contract's going for, <laughs> right? right? Young took his last United States Football League snap in 1985 and he stopped playing in the NFL in 1999, but he still will get, keep him paid to 2027. He'll be 65 years old. The thing about it that was really clever is the US, United States Football League collapsed in 1986. So he's only there for two years and it went bankrupt. But Young, or Maury's agent, had insured and went and had got the contract insured against them going bankrupt. So he's still receiving. So he's still receiving this money even though they went bankrupt. Unbelievable. The insurer is paying out, not the league now, and he'll get this payment. Till he's still got years left to go. 
Another one that's quite well known, but it's the Selena Brothers. They own the St. Louis Spirits of the um, ABA, the American Basketball Association, yep. which was an NBA challenger that the NBA took over some of the teams. And during the merger, the NBA agreed that they would take uh, New York, which is now the Brooklyn Nets, became the New Jersey Nets, then yep. became the Brooklyn Nets. They took over San Antonio Spurs, Indiana Pacers, and Denver Nuggets. So that's how yep. those teams came in. That left three teams, ABA teams, that they said, sorry, we're taking over, but we're not taking you into our new league, which was the Virginia Squires, which folded. And then they had to deal with the Kentucky Colonels and the St. <laughs> Louis Spirits and work out what to do. So they offered them each $3 million to go away, to give up their yeah. right. The owner of the Colonels, of the Kentucky Colonels, said, okay, I'll take that deal. The Salinas brothers, they turned that down. They, they own the St. Louis Spirits. They said, no, we're not going to take that. So they did their own deal with the officials. Um, they agreed that they would get paid for any Spirits players that went into the NBA draft, um, which came to about $2.2 million. And then they wanted to get a deal where they got a cut of visual media rights. And a part of that deal, it would be a share of the NBA's television revenue forever in perpetuity. Of any broadcast deal. Yeah, so that which they got, right? So you got to remember, this is back in the 70s. So at the time, TV rights had nothing. Yeah. Right? So they get that. And a few years ago, they finally got, after getting $300 million, the NBA comes to them and goes, this is killing us. Come we on, will buy man. your thing. They gave them $500 million to walk away. That deal by holding out got $800 million. Well done, St. Louis Spirits. Yeah, just for doing that. So that's one of the weirdest ones. Now, this brings us to the last two of my all-time favorite Here we go. contracts. Oh, so there's one where there's a guy called Rolly Fingers, which is a great <laughs> name, and he's in the Hall of Fame for baseball. He is known for having a clause relating to his mustache specifically. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> he has two people to twirl it at the end. And it is literally one of those handlebar matches. Yep. Oh, my God. If you, we'll put pictures up. It is literally looks like a, a villain from a silent movie. He is allowed to tie two people yeah. to a train track <laughs> every <laughs> per yeah. annum. He, they have it, to give him a damsel. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's given one, a strongman barbell. <laughs> to, that's exactly he, what he looks like. This is hilarious. So the way that this comes about is the interesting bit, though. So from about 1920, I didn't really realise this until I was researching it, facial hair kind of was very in and then about night, sort of around the First World War onwards, and maybe partly because of the war, that it changed the fashion and it suddenly became very fashionable to not have a moustache or a beard. So yes. facial hair was seen as out and conservative people... Didn't have it, right. right? A bit like tattoos used to be where it was just sailors that had them. That was a bit the That's same right. with beards and both So from, to the point where from 1920 to about 1972, no baseball players had mustaches or beards. They were all clean shaven, which I'd never realised, right? George they just, Steinbrenner would have approved of this. This is where I'm the George he Steinbrenner... he hadn't up his clauses. That's yeah. right. This is where it all sort of... Comes from the George Steinbrenner yeah. stuff, which we've talked about before um, in our first episode. It meant that there's had only in that whole time two baseball players had facial hair during that. And what would happen is they'd often grow one sometimes outside the regular season. The minute they came in for preseason, yeah. spring training, it was like shave your mustache off. 
So there was two. There was a guy called Stanley Frenchy Bordegay. He was the Brooklyn Dodgers. He tried to have one. He was ordered to shave it off by his manager. <laughs> and another guy whose name was Wally Shang. He was the last major leaguer to play with a mustache and he finished up in 1914 and it became a kind of a trivia question of who was the last player to ever sport a mustache in the major league, major leagues, right? So this was how it all went along. And then what happened in 1972, all-star, this is at the Oakland A's, all-star outfielder Reggie Jackson shows up to spring training with a mustache. Big no-no. He claims that he would also going to grow a beard at the start of the regular (laughs) season. This actually becomes a thing. Wow. Right? This isn't like, you know. So the organization is pretty annoyed. Charlie Finley, who's the um, owner, tells the manager, Dick Williams, to tell Reggie to save it off. So Dick goes up and says, Reggie, shave it off. And Reggie tells him where he can shove it. So they're like, oh. So then Finley, and this is all in the preseason, Finley decides, the owner, he decides, well, I'll take a reverse psychology approach. <laughs> so he, he knew Jackson, Reggie Jackson, thought of himself as this sort of individual, and this was just another act yes. of him like yeah, right. defiantly showing I'm different to everyone else. So Finley, the owner, goes to a couple of the other players and goes, I'll give you money if you all grow mustaches. <laughs> so there's a bunch of them. So Finley asks pitchers, there's Jim Catfish Hunter, who's in the Hall of Fame, Rolly Fingers, who's in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Who grows the long, he takes the next level and grows the handlebar moustache. Another guy called um, Handlebar. Yeah, well played. Daryl Knowles and Bob Locker, another guy. They all grow moustaches to try and sort of make Reggie go, oh, I can't. There's no point oh, in doing this. It backfires and instead leads to the birth of what becomes known as the moustache gang. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so this suddenly becomes. Uh, he hasn't thought this through. Yeah, well, this is the seven. Now he's starting five. Yeah, and yeah. All got- <laughs> They've all these, and, the, and four of them are well become Hall of Famers, right? So they're all good players. They're not like the thing is, it's the seventies starting. Sixties have happened. It's sort of free love. It's opened up long hair, hippies, and all this. Mm. The public love that these guys are like they're cool. Like they're not like all the other baseball players who are all short hair, clean shaven. These guys have got these crazy mustaches. So suddenly it becomes a craze and all the things. So Finley just likes it so much and management does that Finley even decides and grows his own one. (laughs) So within like three weeks he's gone from shave it off. What's he got, a little David Niven or has he (laughs) gone the Charlie Chaplin? (laughs) (laughs) It's a dangerous one to have that dog. He's gone in weeks from don't do this to, hey, this is great. So Finley comes around so much, he grows one. He starts encouraging other members, like people who haven't grown one yet. You guys should all grow things. He dubs Father's Day as Mustache Day and offers a $300 (laughs) reward to anyone in the team who can grow a mustache by then. And then when Mustache Day rolls around on Sunday's June 18th over there, all 25 players on the Oakland A's had a (laughs) mustache. Even the manager, Dick Williams, has grown one. This so, is hilarious. Every fan that shows up to Oakland Coliseum <laughs> with a moustache gets free entry oh <laughs> into the thing. So that means out of the 26,000 in attendance, 7,000 people have moustaches. Incredible. We'll be called sexes now. <laughs> <laughs> this annoys all the other owners. The other owners are furious. They are still... Not letting people play if they have mustache or a beard. Yet he's going, go for it. Right? Stand on sideburns. <laughs> <Where> <laughs> they stand on button shops. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> 
Help me a protest. Right. He also then decides, well, I'll do this new traditional baseball was like a black and gray jersey and white, but he comes up with a two-tone uniform, like actual gray and green and yellow and all this. He comes up with these different and so the players are suddenly dressed differently to everyone else. And they suddenly also got all these um, beards and they make the World Series against the Cincinnati Reds who are conservatively shaven and it becomes known as the Hairs versus Squares World Series. <laughs> right? Wow. So by 1973, Raleigh Fingers, who's now gone the full handlebar mustache, yes. he becomes like it's an iconic look for him because sure. the others all have mustaches but he's got the full. He's got the handlebar. Yeah. So he decides in my contract I want a $300 bonus for having it and I want another $100 for purchasing mustache wax. <laughs> so they say yes and they say, yep, you can sign we'll up. Roll up. At the end of his career in 1986, he's had a Hall of Fame career but he's starting to get, he's 39 years old, he's coming off in the season of not playing that well. Um, the Milwaukee Brewers had uh, let him go. And so he's not signed with the team, but he's still not a bad pitcher, but he's getting a bit old. But Cincinnati Reds decide, well, we'll sign you. Yes. So they contact him. They start to negotiate the contract. And they come <laughs> down the bit where they go, the manager of the Cincinnati Reds, the general manager says, look, uh, we're going to talk about your mustache. And he goes, what do you mean? He goes, well, we've got a policy and you'd have to shave your mustache off if you want to play for us. Uh, Rolly Fingers says, well... I've had this mustache 15 years. It's my trademark. I'm not going to shave it off to just play baseball and refuses to sign the contract. The mustache was the deal breaker. The mustache won and he stopped playing. <laughs> that was it. That was the end of his thing. He stood down. Yeah. Is that and did amazing? this start like a, a phase where people, where there was more facial Yeah, hair? so it became a real thing where some clubs were, it's like there were certain clubs that let you have beards and stuff. And there were others that didn't. And the Cincinnati Reds were the most hardcore. Like even when the Yankees had their, they still have a hair policy. Yes. But you could always have a neatly trimmed mustache. <laughs> they, um, but the Cincinnati Reds were like, for a long time, they were like nothing, nothing. you know. No. And then it went away quietly. In the 90s, a few players showed up with goatees and they just mm. went, no one said anything. I'm fascinated by changing fashion trends. Yeah. You know why men stop wearing hats? You remember, you know, the 40s or 50s and everyone everyone wore hats. Yeah, yeah. And then they stopped wearing it. Now, one day I was chatting to the Queen's milliner. And <laughs> I like how you just... Yeah, yeah, no, we were having a chat. I think I forget where we were. Maybe it was a, at the Melbourne Cup or something and he'd been yeah. flown out to I look at all the... And you wanted to get your I, ideas on fashion? Well, we were just chatting yeah. and I just, I couldn't help it. I just go, do you know why men stop wearing hats? Mm. He goes, absolutely. He goes, every man in England uh, wore a hat. One day Prince Philip walked out the front door of Buckingham Palace without a hat. Yeah. And virtually overnight, everyone stopped wearing hats. And that was it. There it is. And he, so he it was as simple as that. Had he just forgotten his hat? <laughs> that would <laughs> be the best. He was... thought he had it on. He kept doffing it imaginary <laughs> to people. No, so he walked out. But there it is. And there's and everyone, oh, we didn't have to. So everyone was wearing them thinking they had to. And then it was, was like, thought, you don't have to anymore. I thought it was probably the most handsome stage for men. Well, I've never history. let it go. Well, I'm looking at you now and probably should. Now, there's a little side fact, everybody. <laughs> a little fact sheet. You've learned something today outside. Well, of it is a, that's what it's like, though. It was like this peer, like with hats. It was like, the, yeah. the, it was like this peer pressure. You shall not wear I must have a mustache. Yeah, the same. And then to the point where someone just just it was growing a mustache was like, this is the new craze. 
<laughs> and it became a thing. So our last one, famous soccer player, Mario Balotelli, played for AC Milan, played for a bunch of other places and was known for being rather outrageous, played for Man City as well and he moved around. Now, he had moved from Man City and he went to AC Milan and they, I think it was a loan, and they were very much nervous about him coming, his yeah. behaviour. So they put, he had a track record. He had a, so he, they put quite a few criteria into his loan yes. deal. But I'll read you the reasons and tell me whether this would make you nervous siding him. So in June 2010, Balotelli and a group of friends fired air pistols in the open in Milan's Piazza del Repubblica. Is that snow? That's out? <laughs> so they, they weren't happy with that. Within days of joining Manchester City, Balotelli was involved in a car crash. It was reported Balotelli was carrying 5,000 pounds at the time on him. And when a police officer asked why he had such a large sum of cash, Balotelli replied, because I am rich. <laughs> well, he asked. Yeah, he asked. He asked. Yeah, it's asked not a crime. Your Honor. It's not a crime to have 5,000 pounds on you. Especially if you're rich. I actually thought it was a little light. Um, <laughs> Off-field activities that uh, he was involved into is he once drove into a woman's prison in Italy to have a look around. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> I don't know why they're worried. <laughs> and what was he there to see anyone in particular? Do you know I've once been in a women's prison? Oh my god! So once I, this you was have one my of, full attention. So once oh, a job all the time was working in government, and so one of the things we had to do as part of this was go tour a prison, which I thought, oh, this would be interesting. They said, oh, it's the women's prison. Hmm. So I had these visions of these women that have been locked up and not seen a man in years, and I was like early twenties. I thought this could be interesting. I've I never like been ignored so studiously <laughs> in my entire life. There was not. Any interest whatsoever. It was like the most deflating moment of my life. I've always been fascinated by the idea of a conjugal visit. Oh, to yeah. me, that it would to be. Me, it's epic. amazing you haven't had one. <laughs> it's on my bucket list. It is. I swear to you, it is. Can't think of a sexual encounter that's more weighted in the male's favour, <laughs> generally, than the than conjugal. That. So you're incarcerated well, or the woman's know, incarcerated? I don't know either way what works for me. But say I'm incarcerated, then. Woman turns up, no time for small talk, clock's ticking, bing, bang, boom. <laughs> I, like how, so I bad, like how the small talk's and, the bit you want to get out of. And then you say, as you leave, next time bring me some ciggies. <laughs> and you make a strong case. <laughs> so what was he doing there? I don't know, he Tell said, he, he when asked, there. he said, I just went to have a look around. I was thinking about a women's prison now, would he? <laughs> You know, if you go to speak to them on the phone, oh, yeah, girls like love the, speaking on the yeah, phone. Yeah, yeah. You go, okay, can we go now? I'd be like, ah, just waffling on. <laughs> well, he once threw darts at a youth team player during a training ground prank. That's a good prank. <laughs> Throwing a dart at someone always. Just ah, kids having fun. Uh, I don't know what horse the play. <laughs> it is just a bit of mucking around. I know. People are. This is the woke. nanny this state. The nanny state. It's, it's madness. You can't throw you can't it. You can't throw a dart, dart at anyone. <laughs> Got in my day, the fun we had with that. I don't know where that one. Uh, in 2011, he set out, him and his friends set his house on fire after a firework was set off inside. 
Later that week, he was <laughs> unveiled as Greater Manchester's ambassador for fireworks safety. <laughs> Someone's done a deal. I love this guy. I'm sorry. Oh, Everything you was telling me. Oh, yeah, makes yeah, me yeah. Look. It's just the best. Isn't it? Wow. Who's letting off fireworks inside? <laughs> just in his house. No, no, <laughs> it's so good. I just love our the Greater Manchester ambassador for fireworks safety. I mean, he'd know. He's here, everyone. <laughs> the ambassador's here. In December 2011, you got to remember this is all happening within two year period, right? Like sure. this is not spread out. I mean, this is a lifetime here, but I'm reading yeah. out two years of his life. Yeah, yeah. Right? In 2011, he broke a 48 hour curfew before Manchester City's match against Chelsea to go to a curry house. Although it turned out he was not drinking alcohol, he just signed autograph, posed for pictures with fellow diners and was involved in a mock sword fight using rolling pins. Is <laughs> 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 that the best? And you can't. He'd tell me he was not punished for this. <laughs> he's Told in trouble because he broke curfew. But I love how he's doing a mock sword. Like that's the bit that just, you, that's where you can't real life is so mate. much better than any written comedy you you'll cannot, ever come up with. You cannot teach this kind of mayhem. Yeah. This is instinctive, pure genius. You'd go off for a night out with this guy. Oh, would you ever? <laughs> oh, you'd break curfew to be with him. Yeah, because you just wouldn't know it could end anywhere. What are we doing tonight? <laughs> We don't. We, and it's only going to happen once, the mock sword fighting with rolling pits. Then in March 2012, when Inter Milan, he's, one of his former clubs, held a press conference with their new manager. So they were announcing their new manager. Right. And he was visiting teammates, so he just walked in in the middle of the press conference and said hello and started chatting to everyone. <laughs> I'm still yet to see anything that would alarm the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they were worried. Huh. So when he finally gets to AC Milan on this loan, the criteria that's in his loan deal, which will instantly, if he breaks any of these, they will get him cancelled right. yes. from and sent back to Man City, is a ban on extravagant haircuts. Because <laughs> he does a lot of shaving symbols. It's all this facial hair against facial hair against, yeah. Why are we preoccupied with this? No outrageous clothes. Right. Smoking cigarettes is banned. On field. Off. It takes you back to like, it's like high person, school. Right? Like, what's he going to be like sneaking a drag of? Right, they've come to the wrong bloke, haven't they? Yeah, you can't be putting these clauses in. <laughs> um, un fat, no. Unable to visit nightclubs. Yeah. But what if he got in a rolling pin fight? <laughs> He didn't drink, but he just... He can't visit. He shouldn't have it. They should have no homeware stores. <laughs> no, no kitchen outlets. That's it. Nothing. Um, he's unable to visit nightclubs. He's drinking alcohols to be limited. Uh, he's not allowed to turn up late for practice. And they're going to monitor all his posts on social media, warning him damaging reputation of the club. Why, again, what, they're just... Forget it. <laughs> Did he go? Yeah, he went and he played for many clubs after. He bounced around a lot. He was, a lot of people say of him, he could have been like easily one of the top couple of players in the world. Yeah. But you can get a sense that probably wasn't. He was having a good time. <laughs> he wasn't as disciplined. You can't be one of the top two players in the world and visit a women's prison in his spare time. <laughs> I think you've got to make a choice. And be setting off fireworks, fireworks in your house. And, yeah, no, there's a lot there that's. Um, <laughs> I'd like to meet this guy. Can we get him oh, in for yeah. an interview one day? I just love the bit to the cop because I'm rich is just 
<laughs> so he has the most clauses, I think. He's the one that, you know, is probably... That is most. fantastic. So that's the clauses in things. I still think the one that insists... The smartest and the one I like the most is the insisting you drink after a game. Like just factory, go get drunk. I would reluctantly sign on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but you have to understand what kind of concession I'm making here. <laughs> Once again, you've done it, Titus. You've blown my mind. Um, and I'm going to redraft both our contracts for this podcast <laughs> as we speak. Everybody, to the women's prison. If you'd like more Sports Bazaar, things get even bizarrer, join our membership program, Bazaar Plus. Very easy to do. Just follow the link in the show notes for this podcast or go to bazaarplus.com to join Bazaar Plus, our membership program. Cheers.